Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the megatrends and opportunities reshaping our world. And welcome back to another episode of Exponential Investor Podcast. I am your host, Shay Russell, and joined with me today is my fabulous co-host, Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you, mate? We missed you last week. I'm, I'm pretty good. It was, it was a busy week last week um, over in Amsterdam, a couple of really big conferences, loads of information. Like, you know, like we've discussed before, those events are great to go to, but they're just endless, tiring, so much info to consume. Like I've got notes. I mean, I, I would say pages and pages of notes, but the reality is it's it's just like, it's all on my phone. So it's just sort of, I don't know what you call it, just scrolls and scrolls of notes, just I scrolls. suppose. Can I ask, as somebody as tech gadgety as you, why haven't you gone to the digital notepad? Uh, it's too it's bulky. the greatest thing I've ever done. It's too bulky for me. Yeah. Is it I'm really? all about, my swipe, my swipe game on my phone is top notch. Okay. All right, cool. That was basically just another chance for me to show off that I've got a digital notepad. I know. And you, don't. You, just, you just drop that little piece of tech gadgetry uh, uh, very, <laughs> I do very it all subtle the time. <laughs> however we are not here to talk tech although i wouldn't mind tapping into a little bit of, about what your conference is and hopefully uh we naturally end up here this way so or going that way now the what i want to talk about today is newbie stuff uh i am fresh from lunch with a former work colleague somebody i absolutely adore she is in the financial space so she's not an analyst herself uh, and she still doesn't really know what she's doing. Now, I don't want to hold that against her. In fact, I think it is an excellent example of just because you're around it doesn't mean you know what's going on. So today's topic is what are the most common questions you get asked and what are the most common questions I get asked? And more than anything, my goal here is to help people be confident with their investing or to start investing. So Sam, I put it to you first. Uh, what is, when it, people find out what you do for a crust, what is the mo- the first question that you get asked? What's this common one? Well, the, the funny thing about that is, is I'm pretty sure people still don't know what I do for a living. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I think maybe my wife after nine years is just starting to understand, um, but all the rest of my family have no idea. My mom but has no idea that, what I do for a living. No, I don't think anyone does. Anyway, yeah. side side note. Look, the the thing is, I'm, actually, before I, I do answer that question, you made a very important point there about confidence. Yes. Even like, and and you said, you know, people can be around, they can be in, involved in in finance or financial institutions. I know plenty of people that are involved in banking and finance, and they like rarely, if if ever, invest in the actual stock market. And I think a big part of it is obviously education and understanding how the markets work and how to invest, the very basics of it. How do you buy a stock? But as you said, I think confidence is a really big part of it as well because you constantly get this, this negative news on from, from all angles, be it the radio, be it television, the papers, online, social media, that markets are risky, the markets are bad, the markets are volatile, and it can really knock confidence for somebody that's just starting out. So one of the one of the questions that I do get uh, quite a lot from people is just the most basic thing in the world. 
how do I get started? And and it 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 surprises me, but it but it surprises me in a way that I didn't. I, I we maybe take for granted, perhaps Shay, how difficult for a lot of people just buying a stock can be. So I think the first thing that people should really think about is if if you're wanting to invest in the market, how do you actually go and buy a stock? So the important thing there is to find a stockbroker. And the easiest way to do that is through uh, online brokers. Now, whether you're in Australia or the UK or America, there's a plethora of different online brokers that you can use. In the UK, though, for instance, the big online brokers are companies like Hargreaves, Lansdowne, Interactive Investor, um, Barclays. So you can go and have a look at all of them, understand what fees are involved with making uh, uh, purchasing a stock, understand what markets they have access to. Most of them have access to the London Stock Exchange and, and, and some of them open up to the US markets and other parts of the world. That's the best thing to do to get started is to go to some of the big online brokers. You can also find some comparison sites online like finder.co.uk is a great one, which will give you a whole list of different online brokers and you can do a little bit more research as to you know, what's the best one. So that's for me, like how do I buy a stock is you buy a stock through an online broker and you just need to start by finding yourself an online broker. I think that is excellent advice. And oddly, we've been asked the same question clearly numerous times, which is, how do I do it? I recently recorded a one and a half hour Zoom call with a friend of mine, um, or again, former colleague, now friend, um, all about what is a share? How do I buy shares? Where do I go? Talk to her through step by step how to actually do a buy and sell trade through my stockbroking platform because the whole concept was foreign to her. But also, too, she was scared. And that was, and as you just said there, it's confidence that really matters. She was, she's like, well, what happens when I hit buy? Where does my money go? You, you make a really Shops good are, point. I, I was going to say, do you know what's interesting is, is I get a lot of people that ask me, uh, that, that even say to me when they're buying crypto as well, that they think they're buying a share. But there's obviously a very oh. big difference in that. But, well, what might be great? I'd love, to, I'd love for everyone to hear, because I know you know. And I know you know, and and you you do describe things very very well and succinctly. Maybe a good good starting point would be if if I let's say I I want to buy a stock, I don't know anything, and what is what is a share, Shay? What is a share? What am I actually buying? A share is a small part of owning a company. A very small part. One share means you own one very very tiny part of that company. Some companies have three hundred million shares on offer. Some companies have three billion shares on offer. And buying one share means you own the tiniest portion of that company. So that wasn't succinct at all. No, that was good. That was good because that's exactly what it is. And I think we sometimes it can be overly complicated, but it is. You are buying a a slither of a particular. A company <laughs> i love that word slither slither of a particular slither. company now if you do do that and you buy a share and you 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 bought it through your online broker do you like do you own it do you hold it how does how does that work in the modern age that's actually i think a really good question this has sort of um, evolved from where it was at lunch it's like what do i do next um so like do i do i buy more do i sell it there was the urge to do something 
and I think that's the problem. And I'm not sure if it's just the day and age we live in or it's a psychology. Well, I've gone and done one action. Therefore, there must be an equal action or another action that I follow through because it is actually quite straightforward once you buy. Uh, and my suggestion here is it depends on why you bought the company. If you bought the company because you want growth, then no, you probably wait to see if the price goes up. If you bought the company because you want dividends, uh, which is earning an income from the company's profits, then you basically hold on to it for as long as you want to receive those dividends for, and you worry less about growth. But my always my caveat here on what you do next is look for another one. You don't have to hurry up and buy the next one, but it's all about having the confidence to be like, okay, so I've done it once. Now, how do I repeat this so I get more confident doing it? Yeah. And another thing that I, I get quite a lot and I think is, is quite often overlooked, even by those that do invest, is, okay, so I've got a couple of shares. And like you say, it's sort of like, then what? Do I sell these? Do I, do I buy more? Okay, I've got a dividend. So for everyone that doesn't know, a dividend is a return of income back to shareholders if the company decides to uh, pay out some of that income rather than reinvest back into the company. It can get a bit more complex, but it's effectively a return of, 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 of net profits back to investors. So do you, do you buy more or do you buy another company? What's next? And the best thing that I could possibly say to anybody that's investing in stocks and shares or crypto or whatever it might be, any investment asset is really ideally before you even start is to have a plan. You need to figure out why. Why are you buying shares? Why are you buying crypto? Why are you buying a house? Why are you buying whatever? Why are you investing at all? You've got to figure that out. And people go, well, I want to buy a Lambo. And I was like, okay, well, interesting goal. But nonetheless, a goal. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, goal. so you, you've got to you've got to really lay out what you want to achieve. Maybe it's to pay for kids' uni in twenty years' time. Maybe it's to have a million quid at retirement. It doesn't matter what your goals are, but they're always only going to be specific to you, and that is the key. You've got to push out the noise of what anyone else says. Only you will be able to plan appropriately for your investments. And, and that's really a crucial element of it. You've got to figure out what are your short-term goals? What are your medium-term goals? What are your long-term goals? And then start to build your investments around that. I'm going to follow that up with the next part of the plan. And that is start developing what your risk tolerance is. Uh, because we all have a very different risk tolerance. Now, when I first started doing this, uh, my simple rule was whatever my profit, my profit percentage was, my loss was half of that. So if I wanted to make a 30% profit on something, then I was mentally only willing to lose 15% of my initial purchase price. Uh, and for anybody who listened last week, I did uh, tell my tale of woe about when I didn't stick to my trading plan. However, one of the most important things that you can do as an investor is, as you said, develop a trading plan. The next step is to understand your risk tolerance because there's no point sticking a bunch of money in the market, losing sleep, 
and then panicking that you might lose your 10,000 quid invested or your 50,000 quid invested or even a thousand quid invested. It doesn't matter what you start with. If you're not sleeping, you're investing wrong because you should not lose sleep over the markets. That is, that means you've that means you are going against your own risk tolerance. Now, you've got a way, 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 way back in the younger years, Sam. I know you've got a financial planning background. Mm. How do you help people understand their risk tolerance? Yeah. It, do you know what? I've, over, over the years, in my experience, is that when, you, when someone's trying to figure out <clears throat> what their risk profile is, what they think it is, is very different to what it actually is. <laughs> I guarantee you that Shouldn't everyone laugh. thinks True. they're more risky than they actually are. Guaranteed. Yes. Even me, I know I think I'm riskier than what I actually am. So you've got to you've got to be able to balance what you think, but pragmatically what reality is going to be. And unfortunately, one of the only ways you'll ever figure that out is through a bit of trial and error is you will invest in the market and you will think, yeah, I'm ready to risk this. Let's just say it's 500 quid. I'm ready to risk this 500 quid. And then it goes to 100 quid. That is when you figure out what your risk profile is like. When you're investing actual capital of your own into the market and the value goes down, that's how you figure out what your risk tolerances are. It's not the best way. It's not like, I don't want to say it's the best way, but it's actually the best way to figure it out because then you really know if you will have that sleep at night factor. And that that's not something I think you can just pull out the air and go, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I'm comfortable with that. There is somewhat of an inverse to that is that if you start small and then gradually sort of build up your position to find that level, that's another approach to take. So you might invest a hundred quid into the market and then you're very comfortable with the fluctuations in that. And then next time around, you might put two or three or 400 or 500 in and see how, you know, if the volatility continues or, you know, it, you start to learn about your risk tolerance by actually doing the process of investing. For me, I think, I think really that's, that's the only way you will ever really truly figure out what your risk tolerances are is by actually doing it. I completely agree with you, actually. I accidentally did it that way as well myself. And it was about learning what I was willing to lose and what I felt comfortable losing. And it was only through basically... Can I add something to that? Oh, yes. It's not only about understanding your risk tolerance as to if the value of your capital goes down. It also is what is your risk tolerance if the capital value goes up by a lot? That also helps you very quickly figure out where you sit on the risk spectrum. And 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 I say this from experience when you've got a when you've had a little bit invested that goes to a lot reasonably quickly, you very much figure out okay, how much am I willing to roll the dice? And then you will 100% know exactly how much risk you're willing to take is when that a lot goes back to the smaller (laughs) amount. Then forever, you will forever know how good you are with risk. So sometimes these these are experiences that you just have to go through sometimes in the market. 
Do you know, you have summed up both my personal experience and my girlfriend's personal experience today with cryptocurrency. She was telling me how, and I know I call it cryptos and that's probably the wrong phrase, but she was telling me how at one point she had 12,000 Australian dollars in cryptocurrency and right now she has $1,500 in cryptocurrency and she did nothing. She just sat there and waited it out. Um, but I do think that's a very important point because uh, having made money and lost money, it was, I learned a lot. I learned as much about myself on the way down as I did on the way up. Um, and I, you know, early on uh, amongst my ex-husband and I, we made a joke that, you know, you could always tell it was midway through a rally because I was selling, uh, because I was just too quick to exit the trade and having known that I made a profit. My risk tolerance has completely changed now. I've been doing this a lot longer, but you are a hundred percent correct. Trial and error is the way to do it. Uh, and I had a trader sum this up for me beautifully a few years ago. If you're going to be wrong, be wrong quick and take that lesson and apply it to the next one. And the other thing is, is that I don't think people appreciate that when you do start to invest is that you will be at some point wrong. And if you are wrong and you get it wrong, you are not the only person that's ever got it wrong. No one ever gets it right all the time. And you can ask any long-term investor, any trader, anyone that's been in the markets for years, decades, that there is a very good chance that they've had a fair few losses along the way. You can't avoid it. You just can't avoid it. And so the trick is to try and make sure that you're not wrong all the time, but that when you do, do get it right, you get it very right. So again, it's, it's important for people to prepare themselves for the fact that not all your investments will be successful. And I think if you go in guns blazing and don't have that appreciation for the fact that you might get it wrong and you've got to be prepared to accept that you'll get it wrong, then you're going to fail in the market. Set yourself up to expect that it's not going to always go to plan. And while you will have a plan, your plan also does need to be flexible and to be able to adapt to your life situation, your state of mind at any given point along that track. And, and sometimes your goals do change and that will affect your risk tolerance. So nothing should ever be set in stone and rigid that can't be changed. You should be adaptable and flexible, but you still should always appreciate that there will be great times. There'll be not so great times. And that's part of the journey. And that's what makes it so fun and exciting over a lifetime. Is And this is why it gets back to your point about sleep at night factor. If you've got that sleep at night factor, this is actually really fun stuff to do. Um, I completely agree with you. And I think I'm going to sum up with my 3K takeaways from today. And then you can throw in uh, anyone that you've got. But I think the most important thing here is confident. Don't be afraid to be confident with the market. Um, the second one is you will develop your risk profile by trial and error. That's the only way to do it. So for that reason, start small. Um, the third one that I'm going to throw in there is it's never too late to start. We didn't touch on that, but a lot of people, especially having the enormous bull market that we've just come out of, and now we're going into a bear market or in the bear market, one of the two, it's still never too late to start. There are still companies to invest in that will go up or down. Um, whether the market's in a bull market or not, do not be deterred by what you are seeing being described there are still opportunities to be had. So I'm now going to throw over to you. What would be your three key takeaways for a new investor when it comes to their very new investing journey? 
for me, the, the, the most important thing is to just do it. The old Nike slogan is to, if you've, if you've never done it before, find an online broker, invest even, even in just one stock to start with, just to get that experience under your belt. And as, as you said, Shay, start small. Every time I, I speak to new investors in the crypto space, my advice is always start small, understand what you're doing, and then you'll start to get an appreciation for, as I said, as we said, the risk profile and how to go about it. Even me, when I'm investing in something brand new, I always start small because it's new and it's foreign. And <clears throat> you know, I want to make sure I get the process right as much as get the investment right. And then you're, I think you're absolutely right about, which we didn't really touch on, but it is never too late. If you've never done if you're 80 years old and you've never invested, it's not too late. You can start, you can get involved in the market, and you can then pass that information and knowledge on and down and through the generations. And I think it's important that we do that, that we make sure that, and, I, and hopefully this, this podcast and this sort of thing that we're talking about helps to do that, is to help people just get engaged with investment markets and that no matter what the media says about the fear and the, the volatility and the terrifying nature of it, it's not that bad. There are always opportunities. Markets do go in cycles and they move up and they move down. But if you've got the right mindset and you've got the right approach, you're confident and you have that sleep at night factor, then it can be a really fun space to learn and to get involved with. Now, that's way more than three things I know, Shay, but <laughs> I'm not counting. I'm not counting. It's all about it is, it's all about education, just helping people to understand that it's not as terrifying as it might appear. And that once you just get started, um, it can be a really fun thing to do and to then, you know, engage with your kids or your grandkids or friends. You can, you can really make something exciting and interesting about it with, you know, family and friends. So it, it, it can be a lifelong uh, dedication, I suppose. But yeah, this is how it. you end up in this. This is how you end up in this job, by the way, <laughs> when you when you fall in love with it. Um, I I I think you've summed it up really well, Sam. And just to wrap up with the closing thing, it's not just a multi generational thing; it's a way of bonding across generations. Yeah. I learn about gold from talks with my old man at sixteen over the kitchen bench, and I've never forgotten them. That's largely how I ended up where I am today. Um, and to close out today, you don't need to pay a fortune for information. Thanks to the wonders of the internet, almost all of mankind's knowledge is available for free. Um, you know, you can get, so, like there's Investopedia, which is great to help you break down market terms. You can get, uh, find out financial data, fundamentals about companies for free for, through Yahoo Finance and Google Finance. So much information. Charting software is available for free at your fingertips. There's you don't need to go away and do some really tough course or feel like you don't know anything because there is an abundance of information to help there, get you started. There's like, great books out there as well, like on investor psychology and planning and all those sorts of things. Yep. So there's so many resources like this fantastic Exponential Investor podcast where we put out free information for people listening and watching. Um, the point is there are more than any other generation in history there is access to information that a lot of us didn't have 20 years ago. So it's never too late to start. 
learn your risk tolerance. There's plenty of free information available to get you going and also just have the confidence to back yourself and do it. Have I covered everything? Perfect. All right, Sam, well, we have gone on for a little over 23 minutes now, so it's probably time that we call it a day. Sam, it is great to have you back in the saddle. It means that I'm just not talking to myself in front of a screen anymore, but also too, I think today was a fabulous topic because you never know when somebody needs to start learning to invest. And if you do know somebody who's just starting out their investing journey, send them this podcast and give them our tips to help get their investor journey along and say, and we'll be thrilled that we could be part of it. All right, everybody, it is time that I draw this podcast to a close. To quote Sam, thanks for watching and bye for now.